I recently ordered a few items on Amazon.com and I checked like my list of orders and they all have different dates. One said January 25th, one said December 8th, but the one item that said um, a different date is actually being delivered today. It said it was supposed to be there tomorrow, but it's actually being delivered today. So the item that's scheduled for January 25th or 28th may be at my address sooner. But whether or not it comes tomorrow, whether or not it comes next year, it's on the way. It's on the way. Welcome to the latest episode of the Glory in Our Stories. Life. You're born into the world, you grow, you mature, you go to college, you start a career and a family. Looks like everything goes as planned. Or does it? episode of the glory now stories i'm your host calvin wayne pennywell jr uh, the title of this episode is it's on the way it's on the way so the reason the reason why i was touching base on this is because a lot of us are going through this period where we are pursuing something and it's an extended waiting period we don't know when it's coming, um, but we do know that it will be arriving. It may be soon, it may be later, but it's on the way. It's on the way. I use the analogy, well, the experience of waiting on uh, things from Amazon, Amazon.com or any online service, uh, specifically now since it's Christmas. So, and if you don't have a, a Amazon Prime account, you're going to be paying for shipping and handling and most of these most of the time there's no guarantee if you don't have the prescription um if you don't have the subscription sorry if you don't have the subscription you may get it next week you may get it next month who knows um but you know you pay that a little bit that little extra money every month you get it you get an advantage so but in this case um, metaphorically, most of us have experienced or are experiencing droughts in this that time period between rain. And we all know that rain um, signifies nourishment. And there's a there's a gap in many of our experiences where we feel like we're not getting what we need. And we have to wait to receive it again. And then there's the question, yo, what do I do while I wait? And the example that I wanted to use 
was Elijah. That's E-L-I-J-A-H. Elijah the prophet from the Old Testament. Um, in this particular episode, I was going to talk about 1 Kings 17 and 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapters 8, 17 and 18 because it's very, very pivotal. And it's the first thing that popped in my head. So I actually read through them and highlighted some points that I thought were helpful. And I was like, wow, these are things that I needed to be reminded of. So I started reading it. So um, I'm going to start reading and then I'm going to break it down, try to sum this up in about 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, First Kings chapter 17, I'm starting at that this particular section is titled Elijah Fed by Ravens. I'm just going to read it. That way you get context. Now, Elijah, this is First uh, Kings chapter 17, verse one. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishba and Gilead told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And as you can see at the onset of this chapter, Elijah said there would be no rain until he says so. So Elijah is utilizing all his resources that he has access to. Um, despite what's going on. Uh, but the, the, the one aspect of this that a lot of people pay attention to is the fact that God uses ravens um, to feed um, Elijah. He uses birds that are, that are not traditionally known for um, being any contribution to the livelihood of human beings. And that's what God will do. He will use the un, the un, the un, or the the unordinary out of him and create something possible. He he uses the impossible to make something possible. He's the only person that can do that. And sometimes it's hard to remember when you're in the thick, you're in the middle, or even the onset of a drought. Um. One thing that I pointed out during this section was during the drought, Elijah remained obedient. And I know that's, that's hard to do, it's specifically when your logic starts kicking in. You're like, you know what? I don't have this. I don't have that. So let me, I think it'll, it'll be wise. It'll be a logical thing to do if I did this and we get caught up in that. And if we... If we aren't obedient, we'll find ourselves in situations that could have been avoided had we just did what God asked us to do. Um, and at this point, Elijah did exactly what God wanted him to do. So uh, I'm going to continue a little bit further down. I skip down to verses um, 12 through 14. Uh, the title of this section is The Widow of, of, of Zarephath 
Um, I skip down at this point. Um, Elijah is approaching a, a, a woman who has a son and it's just them two. And we have to remember there's a drought. So not only is Elijah experiencing the repercussions of this, so is everyone else. So um, I guess I read, because at this point, um, yeah, he approaches the widow who has a son and he's instructed. And, he's, and God says, the Lord says to Elijah, go to this widow and she will feed you. She would feed you. She would feed you. She would give you nourishment. So let's go to uh, verse 12. He says, but she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you do, just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers into the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. In this section, I said to myself, give all you have and use what's left now ironically while reading this me personally i was going through this period where i was not tithing you know you tithe 10 percent of your your um, your income um and you give it to god not like he needs it but it's actually a necessity for us because what we're saying is no matter how much we make I'm willing to give God my first fruits because he knows how to take care of it. And not only that, whatever I lack, he will compensate. This is an act of obedience, thus an act of trust. And the question is, do you God, do you trust God enough to use to give him all you have? Not just money, but time, resources, faith, trust. Do you trust them enough to give them what you have? Now, going back, it says in verse uh, 14, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. Now, this I know pastors have spoken on this and probably um, directed this towards a different concept. But I felt like God was telling us there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. So, so no matter what you give, no matter what you have, there will always be something left. Always. Trust God with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now, the word acknowledgement, acknowledge is synonymous with respect the word respect is synonymous with honor and the word honor is synonymous with reverence having the fear of god but not the fear in the sense that it draws you away but the fear that it draws you closer because you're in such awe of him and you're you're amazed about the 
endless things that he's capable of doing. God is the only one that is consistent, yet surprises you every single time. Again, God is the only one that's consistent, yet surprises you every single time. Reminds me of watching like Kobe Bryant, because you know, Kobe Bryant was the quote unquote Michael Jordan of our generation. Kobe Bryant, from what we saw, always came to play to the best of his ability, but yet he always surprised us. Whether it was coming down the paint, whether it was shooting threes the entire game, whether it was playing defense, catching a rebound, throwing Shaq at alley-oop, doesn't matter. Kobe always surprised you. Even though he played hard and vigorously, consistently. So that's what God does. He's always the same. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Everything, he is the great I am. And he's the great I am in the Old Testament and the New Testament, which means he never changes, but he always surprises you. So in this section, going back to the widow, using the oil, using the flour to make something specifically um, just for her and her son so that they can die. And that's how it feels sometimes. It feels like if you use everything you have, you're not going to make it. But if you give it to God, the only person that can make things stretch, then you will see it wasn't you that made the situation better. It was the only person trustworthy enough to take the little you have and make a lot. So um, go a little further down. At this point, the woman, the widow, feeds Elijah the bread and uh, gives him what he asked for. Now, further down, verses, verse 17, it says, Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Sometimes it gets to a point in our lives where you're like, God, have you brought me this far? only for me to fail have you brought me this far and you know i'm in a drought you know my resources are limited you know all i have in front of me needs to last me until we until it is replenished but you brought me here you brought me to this point only for things to get worse i feel that I feel that. Um, thought I thought I'd be a good time to take a, a quick break, but continue to listen in to the latest episode of the Glory Our Stories, and we will be right back.
what's up to you guys listeners so if you haven't heard already my new um chat book is out titled side b which is a sequel to resignation that came out last february um i decided to do a live book reading um so i know a lot of us are limited as far as where we can meet or even a venue where i can present this book um wasn't as privileged as I was last year, but I do want to use, uh, you know, social media as a platform, not only to promote this book, but to also share it. So on December 14th at, I want to say 6.30, 6.30 p.m. No, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. I will be going live on Instagram. Uh, if you follow me as Mr. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Mr. Pennywell. Um, yeah, Mr. Pennywell. Sorry. M-I-S-T-E-R. P-E-N-N-Y-W-E-L-L at Instagram on Instagram. I'll be going Instagram live uh, 6 p.m. Uh, 6 to 7 p.m. So I'll be reading a few pieces um, actually and uh, well, no, 6 to 6.30, 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm not going to be on there too long, uh, but it'll be a 30 minute uh, live book reading from my new chat book, um, Side B. So I hope you enjoy it. It is basically a continuation of my first chat book, uh, basically talking about my process as far as experiencing manhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope it's uh, of, of some inspir inspiration to you. Uh, one thing that I know for certain is that God has blessed me with the passion for communication, specifically in, in written form. So. Again, I hope you enjoy it and I hope it's of some usage to you. So, uh, yeah. So now back to the episode. Welcome back again to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Uh, we are continuing on with the the story behind Elijah uh, B. and, and um, saying that there will be no rain until he says so. So at this point, we are transitioning into uh, chapter 18. Again, this is 1 Kings 18. Uh, the beginning, the, this particular section is labeled the contest on Mount Carmel. So um, I'm going to read just a couple of verses just to give you some context. So um beginning of chapter 18 it says later on in the third year of the drought the lord said to elijah go and present yourself to king ahab tell him that i will soon send rain so elijah went to appear before ahab and again going back to what i was saying in the beginning during this drought elijah is still being obedient again i know it's difficult to do but when things stop it doesn't mean you should too. Now there is a time to rest. There's all this is there, there, that this is ex expressed in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything: time for war, time for peace, time for joy, time for mourning. There's a time to rest, but there's also a time to move. And in this situation, Elijah had to keep moving because something was coming. Elijah knew that something was coming, and he was preparing for it. So. So at this pa at this um, at this point, I'm going to keep reading a little bit. It says, meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. 
So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden a hundred of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. So um, Obadiah uh, was in charge and he came along and he approached Elijah and he found out that the king was looking for him. And Obadiah basically said, yo, if I come back to the king, seeing that I've seen you and you're not present, he's going to kill me. Now, this is the one thing that really blew my mind. Um, verse 15, we're still in first Kings 18. First verse 15, Elijah said, I swear by the Lord almighty in whose presence I stand that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. Now, maybe I'm going, I'm exaggerating this, but one thing that made me think was Obadiah said, if you are not present when I confront the king, he's going to kill me. Elijah promised to be present, but he didn't specifically promise that Obadiah wouldn't die. And, you know, Elijah basically said, if me being present saves your life, I will do it. Now, I want to go as far to say that sometimes in the midst of everything that's going on, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. That's scary. It's very scary. We don't know what's going to take place. But. We must remember that our hope is present, that God is present. And holding on to that, again, can be very difficult. It can be very discouraging. Elijah told Obadiah, I will present myself. I will present myself. If this is what it takes to save your life, I will present myself. That's the only thing he can promise him for certain, for sure. Now, God, God never breaks a promise, right? But Elijah is human. He's human, but he has a severe connection with God. So his, uh, he's, uh, he's credible. He's credible. So he has credibility. So again, again, promises promise of God's presence but not outcome God will promise you that he would be present he said he would never leave nor forsake you he didn't say I'll never leave nor forsake you when you pay your taxes I'll never leave nor forsake you when you raise your kids I will never leave nor forsake you when you are kind he doesn't say that he said I will never leave nor forsake you it doesn't matter what the situation is he is always present so we uh, fast forward a little bit and um, I'm going to verse 20 I'm still in uh, chapter 18 and this is around the time Elijah is putting the prophets to the test the people spectators are looking at citizens I'm like yo trying to figure out which God to believe and um, and it said at this point you know, verse 20 so Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel 
Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Ba, B-A-L, I'm sorry, B-A-A-L is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. They didn't know which God to serve. Now, in the midst of your drought, in the midst of everything you are going through, you should ask yourself, who am I going to serve? Who am I going to believe? Who am I going to trust? And um, during this time, of course, um, Elijah is proving to the prophets that God is the true God. God is the most consistent. Um, fast forward a little bit. Go to verse 34. Now, at this point, Elijah is, is, is showing the people what he needs to do to light the fire. So um, what was the challenge was to create this this altar and put wood on it. And whoever cries out, who, whichever God lights the fire to who to whom which they cry out to, that is the God they will follow. So both Elijah and the prophets are challenged to create an altar in, in front of the people. And the people will serve the God that lights the fire, whether it's the God from the prophets or the God Elijah serves. And at this point of the, of the I want to say competition, Elijah is putting things together to summon God's power to light the fire. So I'm going to read 30 to 34. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord. They had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. This is the most this is the important part. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. 36. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah took the prophet, walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. The one thing that I think that's very important in this is repetition. If when you read through the Bible, you'll notice that there that things are done repeatedly when the men had to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. Um, when uh, well, even when Peter denied God three times, you know, there's repetition in obedience and there's also repetition in disobedience because the number, the rep the um, the repeated pattern represents where your heart is and what you're willing to do to push and to pursue and to practice God's will. So repetition is the key. So in the midst of your, your drought, in the midst of everything you're going to, not only should you be obedient, you should be repetitive. You should just keep going. Now, this is the part 
where everybody is familiar with, and which is the, the moment Elijah positions himself to receive the rain after many years of drought. This is verses 41 through 45. I'm not going to read all of them, but just to give you context, this is what's going on. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now, this is after years of drought. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Elijah was positioning himself to receive what he was promised would come. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And him as an Elijah's servant, he told him to go back and forth to look for something to indicate that rain was coming. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Now, in the midst of everything we do, we have to count the winds. No matter how small or how big it is, count it all joy. It's just enough. It's just enough. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go, and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. So, yo, at this point, he's saying not only is it going to rain, but it's going to be so much rain that it may hinder you from going to tell Ahab that the blessing is coming. So now this is the most important part. Um, uh, the Bible does say he will renew thy strength. Verse 44, I'm sorry, verse 45. Again, this is first Kings chapter 18. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of your obedience, in the midst of being in um, impossible circumstances where impossible solutions appear in the presence of God. Even when you're tired. Even when you're restless because of your obedience, because of your repetition, because of you continuously going forward. Not only will the surplus come, the blessings that you have been waiting for. God will renew your strength after all of that. He will renew your strength. Elijah kept moving this entire time. He kept going forward. He kept Submitting himself to what God had asked him to do. And here, upon the moment the rain is about to start, he has enough strength to outrun a chariot. So, I said all that to say this, and I'm speaking to myself too. Right now, you are in a drought, and even you have. Just a little bit of flour, just a little bit of oil. Even you are trying to practice your consistency. Even you are being distracted 
finding yourself serving a different God, whether it's money, whether it's business, whether it's people, whether it's social media, whether it's an addiction. And like the prophets, you're doing all this stuff and nothing is lighting the fire. But Elijah, it's time for us to be more like Elijah. It's time for us to position ourselves for rain. It is time for us to be obedient. It is time to put God first, like the widow and her son, to give our first fruits. And to remember with God, we will never run out of flour. We will never run out of oil. Never. Persistence and consistency is the key, ladies and gentlemen. It's the key. You just got to keep going. You got to keep going. There's a time to rest, but there's also a time to move. Let's gather up our cloaks, put them in our belts, and let's run. Let's run like the flash because rain is coming. It's coming. I hope this was helpful in any way. Um, trying to get back in the habit of interviewing people. I don't want to get away from that. I don't want to get away from storytelling. That is the, the main point of this podcast is to share people's story, stories. So continue to look out for that. Uh, again, December 14th, 2021, I will be doing a live reading from uh, my new book, um, Side B, which is a poetry chat book. So I'll be doing that December 14th, 2021, 6 p.m. to 6.30. Hope to see you there. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, yes. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with your host, Calvin Pennywell Jr. During this episode titled, It's on the Way. Yo, thank you all for listening. Tune in next time for the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Thank you.